Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Recorded live. Worship you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. God, we greet each of you once again in the mighty and the glorious name of Jesus Christ, our strength and our redeemer. This is the day the Lord has made, children of God. We have a mandate from our creator to rejoice and be glad in it. We thank God for another day that he has woke us up and allowed us to see. If you are under the sound of my voice, wherever you are, whatever you are going through, know for certainty that you are blessed. For those of you that have been worshiping with us, you know we are working on our most recent topic entitled Time for Grace. As children of God, it is now time for grace. Some of us have come from some very, very 
difficult and terrible backgrounds, but now that we are in the family of God, it is time for grace. Now, one of the things that the Lord is immediately flashing in my spirit is that uh, uh, we already have abundant grace, but we found out last night that our knowledge of the abundant grace can make the difference. For we can have the abundant grace, and, and many of us do, but if we don't have the proper knowledge, we can still be living and operating almost as if we have not received it. So we want to gain more knowledge of uh, the grace that God has poured out on us abundantly. We looked at capital A in our outline, grace through faith, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Capital B in our outline, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. John chapter 1, verse 17, Galatians three twenty-five. We looked yesterday at capital C, grace and peace. First Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Second Peter chapter 1, also verse 2. And it brings us on down to capital D today, grow in grace. Grow, even though God has poured it out on us abundantly, we can still grow in grace. We want to take a look at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Let us prepare for the Lord to bless us very well today. In Jesus' mighty name. Second Peter, Chapter Three, Verse Eighteen. Doing a lot of work in the book of Peter, first and second Peter. Second Peter chapter three, with a special focus on verse eighteen. The apostle writes to us and says, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace, Second Peter 3 and 18, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Capital D, grow in grace, children of God. Grow in grace. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you again today, Father, for another beautiful day that you have graciously allowed us to see and to experience. We pray, Father that as we gather together in the name of your most holy, only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable in your sight. Again, Father, we ask for forgiveness of our sins and thought, word, and deed, sins of commission and sins of omission that we have grievously committed against you. Father, we pray that you will continue to lead and guide us in your paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all that you have done to us, through us, and for us, and all that you're going to do, as we know that our greater and our better days are ahead of us. Scripture lets us to know that with God, the end of a thing is better than its beginning. We're trusting, Father, that you have better days, better plans, better purposes ahead for us. This is our prayer. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 we are commanded to grow in grace. Now, first thing you want to understand about grace, we understand that it's God's unmerited favor. Now, I read something a little earlier today. I was doing a little study. 
difference between grace and mercy. Difference between grace and mercy. A lot of people don't know the difference. It's like a lot of people don't know the difference between the spirit and the soul. They're similar, but they are very, very different. Grace and mercy are similar, but they are very, very different. They're similar in that these are things that we want from God in abundance. We, we understand that these are things from God that can make our life a lot sweeter, a lot smoother. These are things from God that, that can keep a lot of terrible, terrible things from happening to us. But there are subtle differences between what? Grace and mercy. Grace basically is when you receive something you don't deserve. You receive something good. You don't even deserve it. God be sitting back saying, look, you, you don't even deserve to have that right there. But God said, I'm going to give it to you anyway. That's God's grace. Now, mercy is when we deserve something bad, but we don't get it. So grace is receiving what we, something good we don't deserve, and mercy is not receiving something bad that we do deserve. It's God's mercy that we are not dead as a result of our last sin, whatever it was. Oh, you say, Apostle, oh, my last sin wasn't that big a deal. Well, God killed Adam for eating a small piece of fruit. What did you do? What did I do? So we understand that any sin is worthy of death, but it is God's mercy that has allowed you and I to still be alive. We didn't receive something bad. We didn't receive death because of that sin. So we want an abundance of God's what? Grace and mercy. Now, as we, we look at the select scriptures, chapter 3 and 2 Peter deals with the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord, the day when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is going to uh, return to the earth. Tells us a whole lot about what's going to be going on. But then there are some instructions that are given for us in the meantime. We're not going to go all into what's, what's going to be happening on the day of the Lord. But we're going to focus in on the instructions that are given. Because growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is one of our instructions that precedes the next coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I've shared with you all a number of times, when Christ comes back this time, he's coming back very different than he came the first time. Not that God is uh, different, but God has different sides. And depending on what you and I do, we'll determine which of these sides that we see. If we are sincere and diligent and trying to do what he says and do the things that are pleasing in his sight, we can see the grace and mercy side. If we are persistent and diligent and rebelling and kicking against him and not wanting to listen, then we can see the fury and the wrath side. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. But when you look at verse 14, 2 Peter chapter 3 and 14, the scripture says, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this. Now, understand this, children of God. You and I are very, very different from the world in that the world is not really looking forward to this. You know, and it, it, my spirit goes to once when I was a, a, a school teacher. You know, uh, when the test came on Friday, the students that were studied, the students that knew their information, the students that put in the time and did like they were supposed to, they looked forward to the test. They were like, yeah, yeah, coach, bring it, bring it. But the students that had not, the students that had been shuckling and what, jiving, had been messing around, when the test came, all oh, they looking all around. They're trying to come up with excuses to get out of the test. They're sweating all up under the arms. Why? Based on what you did. 
So it is with the day of the Lord. If you have lived your life and you know that you have tried to live your life as righteously as possibly can and tried to study to show yourself approved unto God and you have put, positioned yourself up under the word and tried to do the things that were pleasing in his sight, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Jesus, come. In fact, I think that's one of the doxologies in one of the, one of the epistles or one of the books. Come, Je come, Lord Jesus, come. But if you know that you have not, see, now nah, you'd be just like them students that didn't study for the test, trying to figure out a way to get out of the test, sweating all up under the arms, worried about it, nervous about it. Well, Peter said, look, dear friends, you are looking forward to this. Why? Because you tried to live a life that will please him in the eyesight of God. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Now, this is an instruction. Make every effort to be spotless, blameless, and to be what? And to be at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Now, what, what does this understand? Sometimes we look at how wicked things are, <clears throat> how the adversary, it seems like he is doing so much, how evil seems like it's on the rise, and, and sometimes we, just like many of God's prophets of old, can wonder, Lord, why are you delaying? Why are you taking so long? You see how evil and how wicked men, and look at how wicked, you know, the government signing all kind of wicked stuff and doing all kind of wicked stuff and different, you know, with, with God's patience. It means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. In other words, the reason why God is waiting and why God hasn't sent Jesus Christ back yet is because God is saying, look, there's still some more people that have to be saved. Even though wickedness is on the rise, so is the number of people that is coming into the kingdom of God. Thank you, Father. Well, yeah, God said, yeah, wickedness is on the rise. There's no doubt about it. But God says, I still have a certain quota. I still have a certain number that I had in mind since before the foundations of the earth of souls that will be saved. And God said, we got to wait for them. Got to wait for them. Oh, come on now. If I'm getting ready to take the church bus and we're getting ready to church church vehicle and we're getting ready to go on a trip, you can't just pull out and some of the saints is hanging out the door. Some of the saints ain't got their stuff back. You got to wait for everybody. Since the trip, it's for everybody. You got to wait for everybody. Understand, child of God, that heaven or eternity with God is for all of God's children, all of God's people. And God said, I got to wait for them. There's some of you under the sound of my voice that you are not saved nowhere right now. But you're going to be. God is waiting for you. There's some of you all understand my, my voice that were like I was, had no intentions, no plans, or nothing called salvation. That's all right, too, because God knows at the appointed time that some of you all will still come into the family of God. So God said, we got to wait. I know it, wickedness is on the wide rise. I know, you know, the adversary is doing a lot of things, but God says, we got to wait. God says, I, I'm, I'm patient. And God says, you need to be patient, too. The Lord's patience means salvation. Now look at verse 16. The Bible says he writes the same way in all his letters, talking about Paul. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. Now what is Peter? Peter was a great apostle. Paul was a great apostle. But Paul had received some things from God that Peter discerned. Everybody can't handle that right there. Everybody can't digest that right there. See? Peter said, look, 
He writes the same way in all his letters, but his letters contain some things that are hard to understand. You need to understand, child of God, that there are going to be some things that God says that are going to be hard to understand. God's wisdom is infinite. There are certain things that God has to say to us that he's not even going to bother to say until we mature to a certain level. There are some truths that God has for you under the sound of my voice in 2025 that God wouldn't dare say to you in 2015. Some things God got to say is hard for you to understand. Some things that God got to say is difficult for us to comprehend and digest right now. So God be saying, look, sometime I got to wait on some things. I just can't say everything to everybody at the same time. There's some things you take two Two different ones of you all that listen to this same message that's being preached. Some of you all, because of the state and level that you are on with God, some of you will walk away and get one message. Some of you will walk away and get a totally different message. Why? Because we are all at different levels. We all have different uh, comprehension in the things of God. We all have different, coming from different backgrounds. So, look, I know some of the things are hard to understand, but watch this now which ignorant and unstable people distort. Now, that's, that's where you have to be careful. Just because God says something that's hard for you to understand, you don't want to distort it because of your ignorance or because of your instability. Because when you start distorting or you start, or you can start blaspheming, Jesus said a whole lot of things during his earthly ministry people didn't understand. So they start, there's so many of the Pharisees, the teachers, the law, scribes, they start talking against it. They were blaspheming. You mess around, and if, you, if something God is saying that you don't understand, it's better to just shut up and say, look, Lord, show me what you're talking about. Then to speak against it, find yourself at the end of the day blaspheming. It's already here. In black and white, that God going to say some things that are hard to understand. Well, okay, Lord, that's hard for me to understand. It's better to come up on something in the scripture that you're just not going to get. Lord, that's hard for me to understand. I'm going I'm to uh, wait until you give me a revelation. Some of you all understand my voice talking about, you know, the Bible contradicts itself. See, you, what you don't even realize you're saying that God contradicts himself. That's what, what you say about the word of God is what you're saying about the God of the word. Some of you all out there understand my voice. Man, the Bible don't make no sense. What you're saying, it, you don't even realize it. You're saying that God don't make no sense. Bible, man, some of you all understand my voice. Bible, uh, Bible got, got lies in it. Well, what you're saying then is that God got lies in him. All scripture is God-breathed. Some of y'all say, oh, man wrote the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed. Doesn't matter what men wrote, they wrote as they were inspired by God. So it's God that told the men what to write. Men wrote the Bible. See, see you're not looking at the true author. That's saying that men wrote the Bible and not being able to see beyond that, not being able to see that God is the one that inspired the writings of these holy prophets and these holy apostles to write the Bible is like being as crazy to think that your electric bill come from your mailman. 
Come on now. The, the mailman gave the mailman wrote this electric bill. No, the mailman didn't write the electric bill. The mailman simply delivered the electric bill. The electric bill was written by the electric company. Come on, saints. Let's get ready to close this out. Ignorant and unstable. See, that's a, that's a, 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 a those two components right there is the majority of problems that we run into in the body of Christ. Ignorant people and unstable people. Ignorant. Well, what does ignorant mean? You know, ignorant sound it sounds like a real harsh word, but really it's not because all ignorant basically means you don't know. You don't know. I don't know. And each of us are ignorant to one thing or another. Each of us are ignorant to certain aspects of God's word. This is why God tells us to study. Each of us are ignorant to some of the workings of the Spirit of God. This is why God tells us that, that you know, we, we need to get more knowledge. We need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our life. Ignorant. We're ignorant. Some stuff we don't know. Unstable. Some things we're just not, not real sure on. I don't, I don't know whether I should be doing that or I shouldn't be. Unstable in some things. Now, the, the, the problem with, it, with ignorance and unstability is not ignorance and in, instability in and of itself. The problem comes in when you don't want to make the necessary changes to what? To come out of that. We're all ignorant of something. Well, are you planning to just sit right there in ignorance? Bask in the ignorance of whatever? Or do you say, look, I'm going to take the steps to come on out of here. Uh, are we all unstable in some things? The question is, are you going to just sit right there in, in instability? Or are you going to take the steps to come on up out of instability? Now, ignorant and unstable people, if they don't, make the, the, the proper steps to come out of ignorance and instability. What they start doing is distorting Scripture. Look at what the Bible said. Paul wrote some things that were hard to understand. So the people, they didn't really do what they were supposed to do to understand. So then what they started doing, they started to distort the Scriptures see, as they do other Scriptures to their own destruction. Now, we talked a little bit, I think, a couple of nights ago about anything that can be used properly. It can be misused or abused or, or not used properly, even with the Scripture. And you got a lot of that going on. Turn on your average television station. And he jokes twisting up Scripture to get you to send some money like nobody's business. Like nobody's business. Instead of just coming on and telling you, and the reason why, you know, that's why I thank God for YouTube. I thank God for, for talk show. I thank God for some of these mediums. That are, that are affordable to us at the Christian Center. Because, see, if I had millions of dollars worth of airtime that I had to pay, it would be a great temptation to get up in front of millions and millions of y'all and be like, look, you need to, you know, put pressure on you to money because be, it's pressure on me to pay for the airtime. But, you know, YouTube right now at least is free. You know, I'll pay your Internet bill. Christian Center, we can afford that. Talk show, these podcasts are free. So we're not, we're not under pressure to be pressurizing you all for money. We can tell you what God got to say rather than trying to put you under compulsion to give money. That's what a lot of it be. Be under pressure, man. They, they know that these bills got these, 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 
TV station, airtime bills got to be paid. Ah, that's how a whole lot of craziness came right up in the, in the uh, Catholic Church. They had a basilica that they were building. Pope and all them, they're building this great big basilica. They needed money, baby. Somebody come up with an idea. Let's see if we can't sell indulgences. Get people's uh, loved ones out of purgatory. We need money for the basilica, baby. And you got modern-day basilicas all over the world. Big old buildings that men done built cost a whole lot of money. Well, that pass, that, that, that cost got to be passed on to you and to me if we go in for that kind of thing. And that's why. That's why it'd be a whole lot of pressure, a whole lot of pressure. You know, a lot of these churches, they done build up these great big buildings, millions of dollars. They need millions of dollars. Pressure, pressure. Bring your, bring your W-2 forms so we can find out how much money you make, so we know how much you're supposed to tie. I heard one pastor, in his ignorance, I would call his name. Everybody would know him if I called his name. Somebody he wanted all non-tithers, take them somewhere, I think, and shoot them or do something. But I was like, listen to this brother. Lord, have mercy on this brother here. Anybody who paid pay a tenth of their money, take them out somewhere and shoot them. What are we talking about? Ignorant and unstable people distort Scripture. You got three groups that will distort Scripture in a minute. Watch this. Three groups that what? will distort scripture in a minute. You got ignorant jokers. Jokers don't know. They'll distort scripture because what they count on is that you don't know. Ignorant joker will distort, distort a scripture. Unstable joker will distort a scripture, and a joker that loves money will distort a scripture. You find that in, I think it's uh, in Timothy. Them three groups, watch this now. Watch this now. Stay right there. Second Peter. Run quickly to uh, First Timothy, chapter six, verse three. If anyone teaches false doctrine, well, what is false doctrine? Distorted scripture. First Timothy, chapter six, verse three. If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree to sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he's conceited and understands nothing. There you go again. Ignorant has an unhealthy interest in controversies and envies about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicion, and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. So because they want that turn, they want to turn, want to turn uh, religion, want to turn church into a, into a hustle. And turn it into a hustle. Somebody sat back and said, look, man, we can make a whole lot of money. Man, by telling these people a whole bunch of foolishness. Yeah, yeah. Hollywood do it all the time. Making billions. Making billions. Telling us lies. There we go, paying nine, ten dollars a ticket. See the movie. They're telling us lies. And making money. What is it oftentimes in Hollywood that determine whether or not they're gonna make a sequel? How much money did the first one make? You not gonna hardly find a movie today. Not hardly. That do real if, if it's if if it's possible that do real well in the box office make make a billion dollars if you want to you better get ready for part two of that. How many movies can we think of made a billion dollars? They come even I heard I even think I read somewhere that Avatar they get ready to try to make another Avatar. It's happening. What we uh, the Avengers? What else? Them jokers saying man, how much money? You say we made how much? I would make another one. 
I will make another. And then what, what is it a lot of times? You know, a lot of times what is it that, that make ministries go out of business? It's a shame, and it shouldn't happen. See, because the reality is, children of God, make no, don't let nobody fool you. The church don't need money. We use it, but we don't need money. Now, now, watch yourself now. You say, Apostle, uh, we don't believe that. That's false. That's false teaching. No, it ain't. Jesus didn't say, upon money shall I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. He didn't say that. He said, upon this rock. Well, what was the rock? The revelation of who Jesus Christ really was. Upon that rock. Hey, we can do that out in the field. See, if you don't understand what the church really is, you're going to start thinking you need money because you're going to be seeing, you know, lights and, and, and insurance and, and seats that got to be paid for, heat and electricity. That's church building. That's church building. We thank God for that. But understand, that's a luxury. We don't have to have a building to worship God. Come on, somebody. We don't have to have a physical building to worship God. Bible said where two or three are gathered together in your name. We can gather together in Hardee's. We can gather together in the lobby of a public place. Lift up holy hands and, and pray. Jesus, your church don't need money. Uh-oh. I know, I know some of y'all going turn to your, turn your stuff off on that one. Because some of us have bit the fruit, bit the lie, that the church needs money. We thank God for it. Yeah, and I hear apostle, are you saying, don't say no, because we got a building here at the Christian Center. We got a church building. We got to pay for it. We got, you know, we got bills and different things. But make no mistake about it, if you don't send no money, which some of you ain't anyway, we still going to worship around here. Because with or without your money, God says Jesus is still Lord. With or without your money, Jesus is still worthy to be praised. And he's going to be praised. He's going to be worshipped by some, and it's called the elect. See, if you don't shut down ministry, you don't shut down church, you, ain't, you don't want to do the work of God no more because no money was in it, what were you really in it for in, in the first place? You should have been in it because that's what the Lord called you to do, and that he's going to supply your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. What you really in it for? You don't shut down the ministry. You ain't preaching no more. How come? Won't, no, won't enough money in it. Is that what you got in it for? Or did you get into ministry because you love God? God called you to do it. See, that that should be the reason why you in it. And and and, and I'm and if He's told you to stop, that should be the reason you stop. But I have yet to see where God tells somebody to stop. Three groups that will distort some scripture in a minute. Ignorant joker, unstable joker, and a joker that loves the money. But watch them three jokers right there. Therefore, Peter writes, dear friends, since you already know this, I shouldn't even be saying, some of you all out there, you already know this. He says, be on your guard so that you might not be carried away, watch this, by the error of lawless men. Well, what is one of the main errors of lawless men that Christianity and the, and the, and the work of God that somehow money is necessary? No, it's wrong. We use money to do some luxury items in the church. 
That's the truth of the matter. We use money for luxury. God ain't said we had to have uh, lights. God ain't said that in Scripture. God hasn't said that we got to have air conditioning running. He hasn't said that. He hasn't said that we had to have some great some building uh, with however many square feet, how many thousand square feet. He ain't said that. We thank God for these things, but God said, look, I ain't said that. What I said is where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm going to be in the midst. Now, God said, that's what I said. Jesus didn't have a house. Some of us tripping off our house. Jesus didn't have one. Foxes have, foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. Jesus said, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. We thank God for a house. Don't get me wrong now. I'm, I'm hearing the Lord say, I, I didn't have one. Yet all houses were mine. So, so you say, Apostle, what are you talking about? We're trying to get us to understand. Understand the difference between what we need and what we want. Sure, Christian Son of Saints, we want this nice building here, fine carpet on the floor, uh, nice cool acting. We want it. But God hadn't said we need it. What we need is two or three of us gathered together in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we need. That's the requirement. The rest of this is luxury. Luxury. Luxury items. In fact, even go back to Timothy. Watch this now. Because you would think that you know, shelter was an important thing for us in God's eyes. Look at what this God say here. Look at First uh, Timothy six and eight. I'll show you how how much luxury most of us is living in. God say here in verse seven, we brought nothing into the world, we could take nothing out of it. Look at verse eight. But if we have food and clothing, God said, be content with that. Goodness gracious, God didn't even say a house. God didn't say a car. God didn't say no Gucci bag, no Agile and tennis shoes. You got some food? Yes. You got some clothing? Yes. Shut up and be thankful. Goodness gracious. See, we live in luxury. We got a lot of luxury, and some of us don't even realize how luxurious. You got a house? You got a roof over your head? You better understand that's luxury. That's luxury. God said food and clothing. You ain't naked. No. You ain't hungry. No. Shut up and be satisfied. Man, some of us want the night, want a fancy, want cars. Lord, I thank you for these vehicles out here now. Because I got, well, right now, more than, than we can drive around here. Oh, houses. Lord, I thank you for these houses. I got more right now than I can live in. But understand, God said, Robert, you need to understand that's luxury. And God said, look, I didn't even say two sets of clothing. Uh-oh, man, some of us got closets. Uh-oh, Holy Ghost hitting me right now. God like, Robert, you take that upside your head. Man, some of us, God said, nah, not some of y'all. Robert Bryant, God said, I'm talking about my apostle now. Got a closet full of clothes. Robert, how many suits you got in there? Oh, Lord, I guess about 20. Robert, how many pair of uh, uh, slacks you got in there, Lord? Probably about 30. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some of you other saints got a closet full of stuff, too. Now, truth be known, it ain't just me now. I'm not going to take this woman by myself. So, children of God, you say, apostle, <laughs> what you driving at? We are blessed. We are blessed. It's a difference between what we need and what we want. It's a difference between what we need and what God has, has blessed us with. Don't get carried away by the era of lawless men. The era of lawless men is somehow the, the thought that, that we've got to have all of that in order to do the work of God. God said, uh-uh, I ain't said that. 
That's one of the errors of lawless men. But see, when you start running after the error of lawless men who done somehow tried to tie money to this thing, God said, look, I done told my people, I spoke through my apostles, told my people, my, my, my apostles and my teachers, tell the people to give as you have purposed in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. God love a cheerful giver. And be done with that. Be done with that. Apostle Paul told the saints in, in, in 1 Corinthians 16 on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Now, you say, Apostle, what you're driving at? If you've got an income, you're supposed to be supporting the work of God. You're supposed to be supporting the church. If you've got an income, you've got no income, then eh, we're not nobody. But in keeping with his income, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Saving it up, Paul said, so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. Collection won't even supposed to be no big, big time-consuming thing in the, in, the, in the church. What have men run right out there and did? Some, some churches you go in and you, I've been in churches where the, the, the collection took more time than the sermon. Brothers was getting that money is what they was getting. Folk lined all up, folk, all kind of stuff being, I'm looking at my watch, I'm like, look at this here, man. All kind of stuff. Get that money. Well, that's not that's not what the scriptures say, children of God. You can't make God's word say what it don't say. Paul says no collections will even have to be made. Paul said, look, have that already set aside. You know, you come to church on Sunday, already have a set aside what you're going to give for the work of the Lord. Ain't, I don't care what, who, I don't care if the pastor turns flips up there. Start doing backflips all the way across the church. I already got packaged what I'm going to get. I don't care how many prophecies go forth. I, don't care. I already got packaged what I'm going to get. Here it is. And don't let anybody twist your arm into nothing else. Some of you all go in there and got your stuff. First of all, you ain't got the stuff packaged away, set aside like you're supposed to. So now some of these fast-talking, slick-talking uh, money loving jokers keep right on talking, talking, talking. You start feeling guilty. Oh, you beat them, pulled out everything. Now you're giving under compulsion. Now you was reluctant. Now you're giving under compulsion, and God don't like neither one of them. I already got it packaged, brother pastor. I ain't got to think about this during worship because I had this set aside when I got my income. This is what's going to the work of the Lord. You do that with your house payment. You do that with your car payment. You know if your car payment is $400 a month, that you, that's already earmarked. When you get your check, you know that $400. Your house payment, whatever it is, you already got your, your insurance. Well, church is supposed to be no different. I don't have to, I, look, I don't have to be uh, uh, back and forth with the Nissan people, you know, haggling with the Nissan people about what I'm going to pay uh, for my car payment. I know how much we done signed the contract. I know I know how much I'm supposed to pay. And even if I go down to the Nissan office, the president of Nissan, because it's already in the contract how much I'm going to pay. The president of Nissan is not going to, I don't care how talk fast he talk, how many people he bring out, and whether he do backflips across. What I'm going to give is the amount that I'm that in my contract to pay. 
some of you all, some of you all on the sound of my voice, you trip. I even suggest to you, go on and package what you're going to give to the Lord, package that away before you go to church on Sunday. Don't even bring no other money. That way you don't have to worry about it. This is what I'm giving to the working Lord. Well, somebody make you guilty, how you pulling out, pulling out uh, money you didn't have, how you giving uh, reluctantly again. This is what goes to the work of law. This is what goes to the church. We don't want to fall from. We don't want to fall from our secure position, children of God, by listening to error. Because see, you need to understand: no matter whose error it is, God doesn't find it cute. God doesn't find it funny. No matter whose error, my error, your error, his error. If it's error. God don't find it cute. God don't find it funny. All right. So, say, Apostle, what to do? Brings us on down to our, our scripture, our select scripture for the day. But, now instead of this, now look at all this messed up stuff we can do. We can be ignorant. We can be unstable. We can distort the scriptures. We can mess around and, and not be on guard. We can mess around and get carried away by error, erroneous teachings. We can mess around and fall from our secure position. All that stuff. That's about six different things. Or we can grow in grace. This is what God wants us to do. I share with you all a number of times. God will throw stuff out on the table, and then he'll come in and say, all right, that's the best thing right there. God, God will throw a whole lot of things at you, present you and I with a whole lot of things, and then God will be like, that's the one. That's the one that you. Now, we can jump out here and be ignorant. We can jump out here and, and, and distort Scripture. We can jump out here and do all kinds of things. But God said, this is what I want you to do. Growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God said, I make real, real, God, God got a way of simplifying stuff. All this other craziness we can do, or we can just do this very simple thing. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Look at that. God's way is the simplest and the best. Always, always. Adversary, you mess around with the adversary, he'll have you all complicated, he'll have you all confused, and he'll have you all wrong. God's way, look how simple this is. We just finished talking about simplifying offerings in church. Man, you've been there, I told you I've been in churches, man. With a time for offering, man, if after everybody done turned cartwheels and put on a show and done all kind of things and they still at that money, God simplified. So look, on the first day of the week, set aside a sum of money and keep it with your income. So when I arrive, no collections have to be made. God simplified. Put your money, put your money aside. You got yourself paid. This is the money that go to the work of the Lord, just like you do your house payment, just like you do your car payment. This, this right here is earmarked for the Lord. Ain't nothing to discuss. Ain't nothing to discuss with your house payment if you want to stay in the house. Ain't nothing to discuss with your car payment if you want to keep driving your car. Ain't nothing to discuss with your with your light bill if you want to keep electricity. Ain't nothing to discuss. This is work. Go. This is the amount here to go to the work of the law. Ain't nothing to discuss. Simplify. Simplify. But the problem is a lot of you like confusion. See, a lot of you like confusion, a lot of like, like a lot of unnecessary stuff, because what some of you think is you're going to be able to use that as an excuse before God. Oh, God, I didn't know. God's going to be like, why didn't you know? It was right there in my word. See, God don't go for ignorance like that. See, 
God don't go for ignorance like that. Because, see, there's, there's what is known as real ignorance, and then there's what is known as, as fake ignorance. Fake ignorance is when God done, God done told you how he wants things to go, and you're still trying to play like you, you don't know. That's the kind of ignorance that will get you beat worse with God. Because what you're doing is you're rejecting. Hosea chapter 4 and 6, most of us don't finish that scripture when we jump on it. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. A lot of you run right off somewhere. That's just the beginning of that scripture. God said my people perish for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. God says I will reject you as my priest because you have ignored the law of God. God said I will ignore your children. Some of you all don't even realize what you, what you, have, what you have forced God's hand to do that you don't even like in your life because you don't want to, you don't want to hear the truth. You don't, some of you don't even realize. You don't force God's hand. Because, see, when you do something crazy like that, because God honors his word even above his name. So when you reject knowledge, God trying to tell you the truth and tell you the simple way of doing things, you reject that. So now God be like, I got to reject you as my priest. God saying, I ain't got no choice. Because if I don't reject you as my priest and I just said that I would, then I'd be lying. When you and I do crazy stuff, we force God's hand into doing some stuff to us that he don't even want to do to us. People in Malachi's day didn't want to bring their tithe items to the place where God chose to put his name. So God said, now, 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 look at this now. God, like, look at this now. I can see God up in heaven now with the angels. Look, look at that. Look at him down there now. Angels like, I know, Lord. I know. God be like, look, now I got to shut up the windows of heaven. I can't even pour them out a blessing that they won't have room enough to receive because they're robbing me. God said, look at this. Now, look what I got to do now. I see people on the judgment. Y'all don't want don't to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. God be like, now look at this now. Now I got to throw you in hell. You see that hell over there? You're in almost like an Eddie Murphy voice. You see that hell over there? You see, now I got to throw you in hell now. He be like, oh, no, Lord, I told you I had to get saved. Why didn't you get saved? Now I got to throw you in that hell. I don't want to have to do this. Growing grace. Say, Apostle, what's the remedy here? Growing grace, child of God. And in the knowledge, don't keep rejecting knowledge now, because just as certain as you, God said, Robert, tell them. You got to tell them. They got to tell them. Somebody. Just as certain as you are rejecting knowledge, there's some blessing that you're rejecting too. Your rejection of knowledge always means equally your rejection of some blessing from God. Because when you reject God's knowledge, then that means some blessing from God that he ain't going to be able to give to you. You didn't know that. You reject God's knowledge, then it's going to be some, some, some blessing from God that you're not going to know about. God will haul off and let you have it and still don't know what you got. He'll haul off and let you have, have peace but you don't experience none of it. He talked about that in the book of Haggai. Let you have joy, but don't let you experience none of it. That's one of the, that's some of the curses for disobedience. You'll also find these in Deuteronomy chapter 28. God will let you have stuff, and you won't even get to enjoy it. Go to Deuteronomy 28 quickly, quickly, children of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let's look briefly here, very briefly. 
curses for disobedience. Verses 30, Deuteronomy 28, 30 through about 32. Look, the Lord says, you'll be pledged to be married to a woman. That means promised or betrothed. But another will take her and ravish her. God said, I don't let somebody else come in and have sex with her. You, you promise. He'd be like, yeah, this is my fiance, and uh, we're planning to get married in June. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yes, yes. And the colors that we forgot. God be like, I don't let somebody else come in and run and have sex with her, ravish her. You'll build a house. Yes, yes, you're out there working, sweating, putting money in, time, energy in, ever. But then God said, you'll build a house, but you won't live in it. Plant a vineyard. God will let you work, man. You'll be working up something. You, you'll be the one planting the vineyard. You'll plant a vineyard. But God says you won't even begin to enjoy its fruit. God said, keep messing with me now. And I'll keep messing with you. God said, you get right with me, and you'll see me get right with you. Your ox will be slaughtered. Before your eyes, but you won't eat none of it. Your donkeys will be forcibly taken from. And all this here is is, is God's way, basically, of not allowing individuals to enjoy what they have worked hard for. It makes no sense not to enjoy what you have worked hard for. That's part of why you work hard, so that you can get some enjoyment. God said, what I'll do is I'll fix it up. Because we work hard for stuff normally so that we can enjoy it. God said, what I'll do is I'll fix it up so you just get the work hard side, but you won't get none of the enjoyment side. God said, keep messing with me now. Keep being stubborn. Keep being stubborn. God said, you keep being stubborn, I keep whooping high. Keep on. Go, go ahead. Let's see who lasts longer. Let's see if God say your hind can last longer than this whooping that I'm putting on. Let's see. Let's, let's, let's just see. Come on, children of God. Let us be flexible. Let us be pliable. So the God can stop whooping on us, chastening us. All right? Let's grow in grace and in the knowledge. Because as we grow in the knowledge of God, we, God will give us a greater revelation of the grace of God. As we grow in knowledge, we got to grow in knowledge. And God be like, look, look how much grace been on your life. Look how much grace been on your ministry. Look how much grace been on your family. Look, God said, look, look, now you all be like, Lord, man, I didn't, I didn't even know all that. God be like, I know. I know you didn't. That's why I told you to study. That's why I told you to, 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 to grow in knowledge. So what happens when we grow in knowledge, we grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we grow in knowledge, God says, I've already given you abundant grace, but God says, as you grow in knowledge, I'll give you even more. I'll reveal to you what you already have and give you even more, much like the parable of the talents. What happened with the man that had five? First, he made five more, but that won't end of his blessings. Then the one from the guy that didn't do the right thing, he got that too, so he ended up with 11. So picture God, when we grow in knowledge, God will reveal to us, man, you had five talents. You had over $5,000 in your hand. Wow. Then God said, look, and then you made five more. So now, God, on top of that, you got uh, that. Now that's been doubled. And God be like, look, see, 
See, now you got ten, over $10,000. And God saying, look, and I still ain't finished blessing you. Take that talent from that joker that wouldn't do the right thing. Now look at you. You got over 11000 Mm-hmm. God will be adding to you. As you learn more of him, he will add more to you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you today, Father, for everything you've shared with us. We thank you for your revelation that has brought inspiration and illumination. We give you glory, honor, and praise. We pray, Father, that some blind eyes today have been opened in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We pray that some deaf ears, some stubborn hearts, and some, some captives have been set free. Father, we pray that, that you have done a work in the lives of your people through and by your word, through and by your power. You've told us in your word that it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. Let your spirit work today, Father, in someone's heart under the sound of my voice that your name, which is above all other names, will be glorified, exalted, and praised. This is our prayer. Father, we pray that souls have been saved today at the preaching and teaching of the word, that someone has been convicted of sin and converted of the same sin. May have come into the family of God, Father, where they will be new men and new women in Christ Jesus. This is our prayer. We count it done in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. First question we want to look at here. Um, explain what ignorant and unstable people would do. A lot of the time. Explain. What do ignorant and unstable people do? A lot of the time. Number two. Name those three groups that will distort a scripture if you're not careful. Name those three groups that will distort a scripture in a minute. And three, explain the difference between grace and mercy. Explain the difference between grace and mercy. Amen and amen. Children of God, the Lord bless each of you, and may heaven continue to smile on you all. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.